Welcome to the Franchise You Podcast, where key industry leaders provide education and inspiration. Here's your host, Dr. Kathy Gosser, the director of the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. And welcome to Franchise You. With me today, I have Doug Flagg. And this is really going to be an interesting podcast because Doug is the president of Stratus Building Solutions. And what's great about this is they have a different type of model. And I don't want to talk about that yet. I'm going to have Doug talk about that. But Doug, you are a franchising veteran. You have worked with so many franchise brands, including heavy hitters like 7-Eleven, Dunkin' Donuts, Burger King, Wetzel's Pretzels, Safe Companies. And now you're with Stratus leading the company's growth, which is really focused on the franchising model. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about your background and how you got to this place? Yeah, it's been a great adventure. And, you know, I find that sometimes in your career, you can look back and say, what were all those lessons for? What were all those things that I went through? You know, good, bad, and ugly. And, you know, nothing was wasted. You know, all the different experiences I've had really weren't wasted. So I started my career at 7-Eleven stores and they had a great education program teaching about franchising and different points of operations. And then working with brands like Burger King, Dunkin' Donuts and others, it's been a phenomenal run. And I've learned some really great lessons, you know, along the ways. I'm always a learner. I'm constantly learning. I'm very curious. Uh, one of um, uh, the people I work for had this saying, she said, A, B, C, D, always be connecting the dots. And I really like that. And that's, I think that's been a part of the curiosity that's driven me throughout, throughout my career. Oh, that is such a good model. I have to remember that and teach that. That is great. So you said you had a lot of learning. What have you learned about the franchise model during all of these roles of yours? You know, some key things that I've learned is that number one, franchisees are the heroes of this industry. They're the ones who put their capital, their lives, everything on the line. So you've got to respect that and you've got to care for them. Number two, th the second thing I've learned is that it's the job of the franchisor to serve the franchisees, whether master franchisees or unit franchisees. You have to serve them. The systems have to work for them. And the other thing I've learned is the best things in franchising are collaborative, meaning the franchisor is not making decisions in an ivory tower, but they're coming down alongside the franchisees and they're really, really working with them to come up with solutions and programs that meet the need and drive the business. If there's not an ROI case on something, don't roll it out or make it optional. And I think that's something that, you know, some franchisors get away from. A new guy comes in, he brings in a new POS system, and it costs every franchisee $40,000, and there's no ROI. Mm. And there's no case for an ROI, and they never involve the franchisees in, in that decision, or they change all the signage. So now franchisees are buying new signage and putting new pole signs up and it costs a lot of money, but there's no case study to say that did anything to drive, you know, increased revenue or profit for the brand. So, you know, you've got to always have the franchisees best interests in mind. Now, that doesn't mean we always defer, but because we're the leaders of the brand, but at the same time, that collaborative nature, uh, it really helps. I think it's one of the things that's key in success in franchising. You know, that has been a common theme I've seen among many successful franchisors is that collaborative nature. So I'm so glad you brought that up. And I'm going to steer a little bit into that. How sure. do you gather that feedback from your franchisees? Yeah, no, that's great. I think a couple things. So there's a formal structure and there's informal structures. So in a formal structure, you, a lot of brands have a franchise advisory council. And I've always had those and dealt with those in the brands I've been with. So I'll share at Stratus. So we have a franchise advisory council that's made up of a, a few of our key um, master franchisees. We meet on a monthly basis. 
uh, I'm involved, but I really, the way I drive that is advise me. Okay, I bring questions to them and I say, advise me. They bring issues that are happening and they bring them to my attention. My job then is to go, okay, how can we provide solutions to those? So it's a really collaborative effort. So that's kind of the formal structure. And there's usually like bylaws and they, you know, members are on for certain terms and all this. Right. The informal structure is, and I think this is critical for anyone going into franchising, find out who the influencers are. And they may not be that person on the franchise advisory council. So you have to find them, you have to get to know them, you have to listen to them. And I think if you win them over, because you're doing the things that are right for the brand, they're going to then take that message out to the masses for you. Some of the brands I've been with, I figured out who that one person was that I can make a phone call to. And within 24 hours, everybody knew it, right? Like everybody, like it's better than any email I could have sent out. And so I think that those are the kind of things that you really got to dive into uh, in that collaborative nature with the franchisees. Whenever we're working on a project, we're working on a, a, a new contact relationship manager, a CRM here. We're going to engage franchisees in that process pretty heavily because I want the end product to have high adoption. I want them to use it and actually so we can get the value out of it that I know that it's going to bring to everyone. Um, but without their involvement, you know, again, you're making decisions from an ivory tower, which is always, I think, a poor place to make decisions from. Yeah, it's tough to get by in that way. I'm so glad you brought up the formal and informal because so oftentimes we talk about the formal and we neglect the latter, which is so important. Absolutely. So important. So thank you for mentioning that. Let's talk sure. a little bit more about Stratus Building Solutions. So first of all, what really attracted you to this company? Yeah, so I was working for a company called Safe Companies and we were a janitorial services company. We have, our DBA was Safe Facility um, Services. And so one of the things that we were looking at because of my background in franchising was really rolling a big franchise model across the U.S. Outside of California, we were pretty much subcontracting across the, the nation. We had national contracts. And I was starting to build that infrastructure. And I wasn't looking for something else. I was the COO of the company, enjoying it. But when Stratus came along, three things happened. One is it was a chance for me to jump into the future by probably 10 to 15 years. So I would have spent 10 to 15 years building, you know, safe companies up to that point. Here's a chance to light speed ahead 10, 15 years. Number two is from the very first meeting, there was a, a, an affinity and alignment with the ownership. Mm -hmm. So we all were just on the same page. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that was, that was critical. And we really had a shared vision for what this brand could be. Uh, and so they actually were the ownership today were former master franchisees who bought out the original franchisors. Oh. So they have that empathy for the franchisees or for what they go through. And that's a big piece of my heart, as I've shared. That was something that really led us to, to have that alignment. And I said, this is a great opportunity. And the process moved uh, forward very quickly. Wow, that totally makes sense. And as um, I've read about, Stratus is the top green commercial cleaning and janitorial services franchise. Yep. So tell us about a little bit more maybe about the company and the products and what makes its services appealing. So janitorial services is, is, is a, an industry that there's a low barrier to entry. So, right, anybody with a mop bucket and a, and a, and a, and a van and a mop can kind of get into this industry. I think our, our differentiation is the fact that there's a lot of regulations around, you know, chemicals and things like that. And there's a lot of, obviously, as post-COVID, there's a lot of uh, consumer concerns about safety, uh, about those things. We were ahead of that curve well before COVID came along. 
just even in the products we carry. They're green, they're safe. You don't need to wear a bunch of PPE in using these products because they're safe and they're effective. And so we were thinking about consumers, you know, our customer safety um, well ahead of time. The thing that makes Stratus different is that we are very focused on the customer's needs. So all our plans are not boilerplate. They're very customized to their needs and solutions. And we're very high on selling value. So if you're looking for that lowest cost, the cheapest thing, you know, you might be looking at some mom and pop that comes in and, and you cleans your office building or whatever, you know, three, four or five nights a week. And if that's all you're looking for, then, then that's, you know, that's not us, right? We're going to bring the value that's like, when we see things, when we see opportunities um, to share with you. We're going to be, we're going to make sure that you have uh, all the compliance you need for OSHA standards, your SDS sheets are going to be updated. You know, you're using these green products that are safe for your employees. Um, if we identify other things that, you know, places we can help serve and make it easy, it's really good. A facility director who would hire us or even an office administrator who is mm -hmm. looking for the services, they don't really want to think about janitorial services. Yeah. They want it to just work, just like your phone. You don't want to think about it. Right. When you turn it on, it's got to work. When's the only time the phone company hears from you? When you have a problem. That's and right. so we, we want it to be like, if, if there's communication, it's coming from us to you because we're being proactive with it, not the other way around. And that we're looking out for you and serving your needs. We want to be that. However, in the COVID world, you know, kind of, I, I say this often, the invisible industry was thrust into the spotlight. So when the invisible became visible that's and that's right. become a big part of what we are, you know, helping our consumers and, and our, our customers really communicate back to their teams is that this is a safe place, especially as people are going back to work. This office space is safe. We're taking care of things for you. And so we have a lot of ways with uh, optics and things that we communicate that to employees and really take the pressure off, you know, our customer who is the facility director, or office administrator, et cetera. You know, because you mentioned, thank you, Doug, you mentioned yeah. um, COVID and that had to have changed your industry somewhat. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about the impact of COVID? Yeah, absolutely. You know, with the, the two weeks to slow the spread turns into two years, yes. uh, depending on what state you're in, right? So, you know, it obviously was a big impact and there was a big concern. Uh, and this is predating my time with the company since I joined just at the beginning of the year. But even when I was at Safe Facility Services, one of the things that we did was we had to pivot quickly and Stratus did the same thing. What they saw was, and we all thought, right, COVID was sitting on surfaces. So what's the service disinfections you need to do and all that. So there was a quick pivot into electrostatic spraying, into all kinds of different solutions that protect the customer's uh, environment and make people feel safe. The recurring revenue contracted because offices were closed, but we expanded one-time services and really pressed consumer safety and education making sure our customers were educated about the latest things. So being on top of the CDC website, making sure that the latest um, information was shared with our customers so that they're ahead of the curve and not having to do all that homework themselves. Mm -hmm. That's, and you know, that's so helpful because gosh, it seemed like it was changing almost weekly for a while. So yeah. to have to have that assistance helps. Well, let's move in a little bit to the types of franchises you have available. One is the janitorial unit franchise, and then this concept called master franchise. Can you tell us a little bit about both, please? Definitely. So the unit franchisee is um, the person who really performs the day-to-day the, the -day cleaning in any of the locations we serve. They're going in, they're cleaning and doing the job, right? right. And that got some that are husband and wife team, 
that are like working three nights a week. They have no kids and they're just saving up money for retirement or maybe their first house. And this is a great way to supplement income. They put in three hours a night, three nights a week. I cannot imagine cleaning with my husband three nights a week. God, <laughs> that's tough work. Anyway. No, yeah, it's, it. it's, it's funny, right? Yeah. But we've got that and we've got other folks that have really taken it and said, okay, you know, maybe they started with a small crew, but they've really expanded their team and they've understood the value of building a team and really building a business yeah. that can accommodate more and more business. So, so there's unit franchisee and we sell different packages. So it's in our FDD, but there's different package levels. So you literally are buying business. We're bringing it to you, but you're buying a, a, a committed recurring revenue business from us. In essence, what we're saying is you give us the franchise fee. We're going to go take that. And within a very short period of time, we're going to bring you customer accounts that provide recurring revenue to fulfill that obligation. So we kind of create a self-inflicted sense of urgency around fulfilling contracts for our unit franchisees. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. And, and what's nice about that is a lot of these janitorial, um, the unit franchise level, their skill set is cleaning, leading their teams, you know, making it happen, the nuts and bolts, right? Yeah. And so the ability to sell, to market, and really do back office operations and systems and tracking and collections and all that stuff. That's not their sweet spot. So what happens is we have the master franchisees in a region. So if you're a master franchisee, I'll kind of pivot into that. The master franchisee will buy, um, will buy a, a territory. So I'm just going to use an easy one. Let's just say Los Angeles. So in Los Angeles, we have a master franchisee. And what they do is they use our proprietary software and tools and marketing and they are going out and meeting with customers and selling services. And when they land those services, then they give those contracts to the unit franchisees to fulfill. If a unit franchisee has paid us their franchise fee for a certain level, and we've fulfilled that level, the unit franchisee can go ahead and buy additional business from us for a price. And that royalty then gets passed. The master franchisee has some of that. And then some of that gets passed up to um, Stratus Corporate as well. And so um, it's this great three-tiered model that each person stays in their lane. So there's really clear distinction. The unit franchisee is in the process, is in the business of cleaning. The master franchisee is in the business of selling and marketing. So they sell franchises and they sell contracts or they win contracts and, get, and sell those to the franchisees to then do the services. And Stratus Corporate is in the business of setting the brand standards, the best practices, maintaining the systems to do that, and then certifying down the line each of the levels. And so we each stay in our lanes and it's very clear distinctions um, that each business is clearly distinct and separate and only doing what they do best. Oh, that is fascinating. So who determines who becomes a franchisee? Is it, is it the master franchisee or Stratus? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So we give some guidelines on what makes a good unit franchisee, but the master franchisee will sell the unit franchisees. They will choose them and they own the relationship with that unit franchisee. While they're using our brand certification tools to certify those unit franchisees, and then the unit franchisees take that material and train their teams, Gotcha. then there's a certification to each of those levels. But as they do that, they train their teams with those, those tools. That's what gets the customer the end product that's higher level. Uh, and our proprietary system allows a lot of this to work uh, and be seamless for everyone. And everyone gets paid. Royalties are computed um, accurately. We don't have complaints. It's a, it's a four by check process so that everyone's taken care of. The customer's taken care of. The billing's right. 
the unit franchisee gets their statements and it's right. The master franchisee gets their statements, it's right. And corporate gets their statements and it's right. So that check system all the way down the line, um, this company has probably the best information and best data of any brand I've ever worked for in my career. That's a strong model. I mean, that, yeah. that totally makes sense. And I love what you said about stay in your own lane, meaning really be in the lane where your competency shines. So that is really incredible information. Thank you. Yeah. So when you think about that, you and you talked a little bit about the royalties, I'm going to bring that up. But sure. I noticed one interesting thing in your FDD is that you have royalties for a master franchisee on a sliding scale, meaning a reduced percentage when sales increase. What's the reasoning behind that? So a couple of things. One is um, as, a, as a master franchisee, as you grow, you know, there are some cost increases for staffing and overhead and things like that that happen. Yeah. Um, and you've got your fixed costs and then you've got your variable costs. But one of the things that I think is important, and this is, this is something that I really like about the Stratus model, when you're doing it big and you're winning big, you should share in those profits. Oh, I so, love it. you know, once you get past your fixed costs in any business model, the percentage of top line dollars that drop to the bottom line should increase. And we believe in that model that that will take a smaller percentage of a larger number because it's better for the master franchisee to make more profit for their labors and their efforts. Mm -hmm. And we want to incent them to get to that point too, right? Where there's, there's less of a royalty for those higher dollars and they can put more in their pocket. And I'm telling you, it's worked really, really well. Our, our master franchisees love the model. They love how that works. And it's something that we're committed to, too. We just think it's not a greed play. You know, you can get into greedy places. And we've seen franchisors do that over the years, get in a greedy place um, where there's a money grab, whether it's through purchasing co-ops or through oppressive royalties or um, other things that are just not best for the franchisees. And you see those collapses. In our system, we really want to see the master franchisees succeed, knowing that when the units succeed, the masters succeed, the brand succeeds. And at the end of the day, that's a win for our customers. Well, Doug, I'm really glad you um, explained that because I looked at that and I saw that as a great incentive to really drive your business. And I yeah. thought, wow, that is a very generous approach, a very generous strategy to really help drive sales and um, make sure that your master franchisees share in that. So Hats off to you on that one. So there's also there's also a requirement of day-to-day -day management by the owner. Can you talk about why that is there? Yeah, it's there because this business can't quite run itself. So what I mean is, let's just talk about the master franchisees uh, in particular, because that's mainly where as the franchise where we have our relationship. We let the masters deal with the unit franchisees. We equip them with tools to do that. But I'll talk mainly about the master franchise model. So in the master franchise model, you are doing three things. You are selling franchises, you are winning customer accounts through your sales and marketing efforts, and you're keeping kind of all of that working. So those are through your operations, let's just call it. So you've got three plates that you have to spin every day. You can't stop spinning one of them. Mm -hmm. And that's something that the master franchisee really needs to lead. Now our best masters, they develop a strong team to drive those things. So inside sales reps, outside sales reps to drive sales and marketing, you know, a strong, franchise brand consultant to lead the unit franchisees and really move them forward in, the, in that piece, right? And then the back office team that does, you know, some of the relationship pieces on billing and accounting and those things to run the systems and software. So when you keep that focus and you're really selling those pieces, they need to make sure that all of them are spinning every day and not one stops. Now, here's the good news. As you build your team as a master franchisee, you can have margin 
in your life for, for doing other things. And some of our larger franchisees, you know, they'll take those good amounts of time off because their team is tight. They have the ability to see what's going on. Our system, our software allows them to see everything all the time, anywhere. And so that, uh, you know, visibility to the data is great, but there's nothing like hands-on leadership to make sure it's happening and, and that it's owned. It's not something you could leave unattended, but you could develop and groom the right team to take care of it every day so that there's not any kind of issues. That makes to- total sense. And, and right now, um, you've let me know you have almost 50 master franchisees in the U.S. and Canada, but you have 63 master franchise regions. So it looks like you have a little growth. We have a lot of white space, which is really exciting. Yeah. And so, so we got a lot of white space both here and in Canada. And we're looking to expand outside of you know that international area as well. So I think the future is really bright on uh, you know what we can expand to. Uh, we got some great territories for a master franchisee that are available still in the U.S. I can't believe they haven't sold some of them yet. And so we're getting more and more traction on that. But my goal would be to see, you know, to really push that past 100 master offices. So as we call it, master offices or regions, push over 5,000 franchisees. We'll break 2,800 probably this month. And, you know, I'd like to see us push into the $400 million in top line revenue as a, as a brand. I think that's great. That's, ah, such great goals, great goals. And, you know, um, I had some fun researching your company. And so I watched a testimonial video from one of your franchisees and um, lots of impressive comments. But the one that really made me stop and think was he was asked, would you do it all over again? Would you become a franchisee again for Stratus? And he actually said, probably three more times. Yeah. I thought, what a statement of support. You've talked a lot about your support and how you feel about franchisees, but why are they all so positive about Stratus? You know, the potential is unlimited, right? It's really just limited by your ability to execute. And this is crazy. We've got master franchisees in New York and Los Angeles and Chicago, but our largest master franchisee is in Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville, Tennessee so if he could do it there and be bigger and better than Los Angeles, New York, and those are, you know, that, that to me says it's really only limited by your ability to execute. And he is an excellent executor. Him and his team, uh, David and Ed out there are fantastic. They do a great job uh, and they've been doing it for a while. The other thing I hear from our masters is that I wish I started this when I was younger. There you go. Yep. That's, that's quite a statement too. So what kind of support do you provide to your franchisees that makes them feel like this? You know, I think a couple of things. One is we've got some great training and onboarding. So we really teach them about how to spin those three plates and really move things forward. We're very hands-on with our support, both pre-opening your office. And then once you open, we have a pretty clear guidelines. Like, okay, what's the roadmap look like? Year one, two, three, four, five. Where, what kind of goals should you be hitting? And if you're not, we're really diving in with you to say, okay, where can it happen? Where can we really lift you up? Where are the gaps? Um, so we're really about problem solving to make sure that you're you're doing it. I think the other thing is, is that, you know, this is not a high capital upfront cost. We're not doing a lot of brick and mortar. You're open to one office and then you're exploding from there. So you're not opening like 12 McDonald's that could cost you, you know, 24 million, $25 million to open. Mm-hmm. You're talking about opening one office and, you know, getting into this brand for 300,000 and about 100,000, 150,000 working capital. So you you don't need massive, massive dollars to, to make this happen. And uh, But the upside is, is phenomenal, depending mm-hmm. on just how hard you want to drive it and how hard you want to work. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot we can do around, um, you know, supporting the masters, but we've got a pretty clear roadmap that keeps them on target 
So first things first. I, I hear you. And you mentioned the amount it costs to join your group. How do your franchisees typically find the funding to start with your brand? Great question. So some of them will leverage equity they maybe have in properties, things like that. Ooh. Others will go ahead and do some lending. Um, different countries and even different regions have different um, opportunities for lending. SBA is usually not the best lending option for our franchisees because we're not buying equipment packages. We're not buying things they can lean. Gotcha. We're not you know, doing leasehold improvements or equipment packages because it, we're furnishing an office where we operate our business. Uh, and so you you know it's hard to place leads on desks and chairs and Correct. tables and things that, that don't last too long. So um, a lot of times they'll have their working capital tends to be um, cash as well as their franchise fee, or in some instances they're able to finance some of that or draw an equity they have in a house or home. I got you. It's interesting what you say about the small business um, administration loans because I can see exactly what you're talking about and hadn't thought about if you're financing a non-brick-and-mortar type of franchise, that that's more difficult. So thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely a good learning. The last thing one of your franchisees talked about was the ethics of Stratus being the main reason mm -hmm. that she is so pleased. What did she mean by that? Yeah, I think a couple of things. One is some of the things I talked about at the beginning of our, of our time together, right? Just really focused on uh, a servant heart, a servant leadership, the collaborative nature of things. Um, that makes a big difference. There Prior to my joining the, the company, um, and it's outlined in our FDD, there was a disagreement between some of the original partners. One of the partners was acting in a way that wasn't ethical, and the other, the, the remaining partners literally bought him out of the business um, and brought another partner in. And since then, there's been no issue. These, the, the ownership today is very aligned, very clear. When I was doing my due diligence on the brand, that's something that jumped out to me because I've seen you know, in other brands, things that are unethical, things that aren't best for it. Or I've seen, I've seen the conversation that we believe in these things. We believe in integrity. We believe in this, but they don't walk it out. Here was a concrete example of walking it out. And the other thing that I think is, is really powerful in this brand is there's just absolute transparency. Mm -hmm. So our franchisees, our master franchisees can see how other master franchisees are doing in our system. So it creates a competitive environment where they want to kind of be able to see it, but it's just really out there in the open. We don't have like these hidden things. We don't have it. Our FDD is really clean. Mm -hmm. One of our key competitors has 17 pages of, of litigation in their FDD. It's brutal. And, you know, we just don't have that. And I think that's because we really look to maintain a solid relationship with our master franchisees and drive the business. Well, that's evident because for a franchisee to mention ethics in a testimonial is very um, unusual. So hats off to you. So as we wrap this up, I have two last questions. The first sure. is, Doug, you've had quite a career, and I can see why you're the perfect person to lead Stratus just in talking to you during this time. But what are you most proud of in your career? Wow. You know, I think one of the things I really love, I love seeing others succeed. And so I love having a positive impact, right, on other people's lives and careers. For me, whether that's someone who worked for me that became an eventual COO or CEO of another company, whether that's somebody who was struggling in a role and I helped them find the right seat on the bus. You know, that's something that I really love. And one of the things I'm really most proud of is probably seeing helping franchisees succeed. So in my previous career, that might have been the guy who had one Burger King, who really in that system, you got to get to five. If you don't get to five, you're not really building wealth. You're just buying a job. Correct. And so getting to those five Burger Kings and helping them map that out um, and helping that see that dream come true. That's the thing that I think I'm really proud of. So seeing someone really build 
wealth, build a legacy for the family, build a team and an organization that's powerful. Those are things that really matter at the end of the day is how you positively impact people's lives. And that's what I'm really proud of. Ah, as you should be. So the last question is, what do you wish you had known before you started this world of franchising? (laughs) That is a great question. A couple things. One is, I wish I had taken on great mentors earlier in my career. Good point. Do not wait to get mentors. Like even while you're in school, start lining up mentors who can really come alongside you, be candid, be honest with you to help you identify your blind sides and your weaknesses, but also build you up and help guide you in some of the places where you're strong. That's super important. The other thing is I wish I had gotten involved with things like the International Franchise Association and other associations earlier on, because it takes time to build relationships in those organizations. Mm -hmm. And so getting involved sooner means that, uh, you know, you get exposed to leadership trends, issues within your industry or just within franchising as a whole that you may not get if you're just in the silo of your own company. And the last thing I think is that I wish I understood earlier in school how franchising enables a great idea to grow without the massive capital structure a central system requires. Mm -hmm. And, And I think that's one of the things that if I had thought more about that, I might have launched my own franchise back in the day but I didn't, and, but I've been enjoying other franchise systems and helping them grow and expand over time, and, and, and that's been great. Yeah, you certainly have done so well. And to your latter point, that's exactly what we're trying to do here at the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence is teach people about franchising. My undergraduates are always amazed at all the different avenues they can take. So, Doug, this has been great. I can't thank you enough for sharing about your company, your journey, and this whole concept of master franchising. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Kathleen. It's been great to be here with you. Franchise You is brought to you by the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. For more information on the center, visit business.louisville.edu slash yumcgfe. Thank you for listening to Franchise You.